this is Leah, and welcome to this week's Hashtag for Paris podcast. It is wonderful that you could join us for this week's teaching. I'll explain a little bit more about who we are at the end, but for now, let's jump right in. Oh, welcome back. Uh, today, uh, David is going to be sharing around the theme of where do we find hope? I, I don't know about you, but uh, for all of us, I know in my life, hope is such an important reality that in the midst of the difficulties, in the midst of all the challenges, we need to find hope. And so David is going to be turning to the Old Testament, to the story of Abraham and Sarah. And so before he comes and he shares with all of us, I just want to read a couple passages from the Bible. We're going to begin with uh, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. And this is what the Bible tells us. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And then just jumping over a few pages to Genesis chapter 17, beginning with verse 15. God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai, for her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of of 90, when Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. I'm going to turn it over to David as he shares with us where we can find hope. I'm always quite amazed when I look at different people and the circumstances and situations of their life to realize how resilient a lot of folks really are. Some people are able to, un to cope with stress and pressure, um, whether it's illness or financial difficulties or maybe disappointments in life or even the death of a loved one. But I believe that as we face all these different stressors of life, there is one essential factor that is really, really significant, and that is hope. As we look at Scripture, God has described hope in these terms. It is the anchor of your soul. And even though God says hope is the anchor of our soul, I am sure that for all of us, there have been times in life when we have had serious doubts about what God is doing in the midst of our life circumstances. And there are three critical phases where it seems to reach a high level of intensity. The first one is when I believe that some things should never, ever happen. When some things happen that we think shouldn't be part of our life, we begin to question and even to doubt the goodness of God. There was a rabbi who wrote a book. His name was Harold Kushner. When bad things happen to good people, and he was wondering and struggling about why would God allow these things to actually happen? They should never happen. 
And then another place of intensity is when I believe something should happen and it doesn't. It might be those situations where I'm expecting God to say yes to my request when in fact he says no. A number of years ago, uh, Leighton Ford, who was the brother-in-law of the late Billy Graham, he was explaining something of his own life situation. His son Sandy, who was 21 years of age, died on an operating room table. Now, if you are a parent and your child is ill, you know the anxiety that you can experience. And very often we're praying and asking God for the well-being of our child. And so as he was waiting during the surgery, the night before, he prayed this prayer. And the words were very simple. God, I just want to say one thing. Would you be good to my boy? tomorrow. Obviously, Leighton Ford wanted God to say yes, but in reality, God said no, and his son died on that operating room table. And then he wrote these words, which I want to quote. He said this, I would be less than honest if I did not tell you that I wish I could just smile and say, I'm thankful for all of this. There's a part of me inside that says, this is not right. I say these things inside myself. There's a fight. There's a struggle that is going on inside of me. I have hours when there is great peace and joy. And then there are times when my world just seems to close in and I say, am I doubting God? And then there's the third place when things should happen now, but somehow they happen much later on. It's those times when God is saying to us, I want you to wait and wait and wait. And if we're really honest, or if at least if I am honest with myself, there are times that I struggle with God's timing. So wherever you are today, and hearing this, God's word to each one of us is simply this. I want you to live with hope. Now that sounds very wonderful and nice, but is it actually a reality that can happen? And so I want to share with you an example of hope that comes from the writings in the New Testament. It's called the book of Hebrews. And we know that it was written to a Jewish culture we're not really sure who the author was, but many assume it was the Apostle Paul. But it comes out of an Old Testament story. And it says this, God made a promise to Abraham saying, I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, now notice this, having patiently endured, obtained the promise. So what's this all about? Well, there is a backstory. There were two people, Abraham and Sarah, and they were two individuals who were learning to trust God in their journey of life. Abraham was originally called 
Abram, which means exalted leader. And then God said to him, I'm going to change your name to Abraham, which means exalted leader of nations. Abraham is 75 years old. His wife, Sarah, is 65 years old. They do not have any children. And God said to him, I am going to make you the father of nations. And your generations will be numerous as the stars in the sky or the sand on the seashore. How is that going to happen? They don't have any children. And yet that was the promise that God had given to them. And God said to them, you will have a child. You will trust me. Are you willing to wait? He's 75. She's 65. The years go by. Abraham is now 99 years old. And Sarah is 89 years old. And God said, you are going to have a child. The amazing thing is, this is what we read in Genesis 17. God spoke to Abraham. As for your wife, Sarah, I will bless her and I will give her a son. I will bless her and she shall give rise to nations. Well, she's 89 years old, and he's 99 years old. What is going to be the reaction? Well, the natural response we read is this. Abraham fell on his face and laughed. Can a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And can Sarah, who is 90, actually bear a child? God had made a promise that Abraham would be the father of nations. Somehow all of this just doesn't make sense. He said, God, we're too old. We can't bear children. How are we going to raise them up? And God had a reply to Abraham. And he asked him this question, is anything too hard for the Lord? Now, maybe we need to stop for a moment and just think about our own life and the situations we are in and ask ourselves this question. Is anything too hard for the Lord in our life? And so we read later on in the New Testament more about this backstory and how it actually turned out. And we are told this in Romans 4, that hoping against hope, he, that is Abraham, believed that he would become the father of many nations. He was willing to trust God and to believe what God has said would ultimately come to fruition. That is faith. Being confident that God knows what he is doing regardless of the waiting period. So here's the big question. Will I trust God regardless? In spite of the circumstances that he was facing and the seeming impossibility, God had given him a promise. Would he trust God 
regardless. And Abraham did. And the writer to Hebrews tells us these words. When God made a promise to Abraham, because he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore to himself. God's promise to Abraham is based upon God's name. And God says, by my name, I promise you that this will come true. Now, we take all kinds of oaths when we are making a promise. Sometimes we, we make a promise that we're going to tell the truth. I don't know if you've ever been to court, but when they ask you to give your testimony, what do they do? They say, will you raise your right hand and take this promise? Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, so help you God? I've often wondered about this. Why is this the raising of the right hand? That is still very common in our courtroom situations today. Well, it actually goes back to the 17th century in England, and we're still living with that reality. Obviously, they didn't have computers to check on people and their background. So if someone was caught in a criminal act and they were sentenced, on their right hand, on the thumb, they would have a branding. So, for example, if you had the brand T on your thumb, that meant you were a thief. If you had S, it could mean you were a swindler. If you had the letter M, it could mean you had committed murder. But very often, they didn't have a record of all these criminals and what was going on. And so when you came to court, if you were to give testimony based upon your knowledge of a situation, you were asked to raise your right hand. And the judge could see if you had been convicted previously of other charges. And so what you are saying is when you raise your right hand, you are saying, I am being transparent. I will not perjure myself by lying. I will tell the truth and I swear the truth on the name of God. So you've sworn to tell the truth on one greater than yourself. But you see, when God makes a promise, He swears an oath by himself because there's no one in the entire universe who is greater than God. He is the truth. He has no capacity to lie because it goes totally against his character. And when God makes a promise, he says that he will keep it. He must keep it because he swears by himself. And so the promises of God are the basis of our hope in life. And the writer to Hebrews says that hope is the anchor of our soul. We find that this is in Hebrews chapter 6. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, and it's firm and secure. Now, I know that we all go through different seasons of life that can be quite difficult and challenging. And many times we go through situations and we think, I don't understand why this is happening to me. We might want to have a change, but we are stuck where we are. But do I believe that God is sovereign? Do I believe that God is in control of all circumstances and situations 
And do I believe that he is concerned about every detail of my life? If I do, then I will put my hope in him in spite of the circumstances. And this hope becomes the anchor of my soul. My hope is placed in God alone. Now, I know that many of you probably have been out on boats. Some of you like to fish. Some of you like to go on cruises. But every boat usually has an anchor. And even if you're sitting in calm water and just relaxing out there under the sun, if you don't have an anchor that is dropped into the water, your boat will start to drift. But you also know that you need a strong anchor that will prevent your boat from crashing around when the sea or the lake is really stormy. In biblical days, they had small sailing vessels, and when the storm became rather uh, serious, they would try to find safe passage into a harbor because the winds and the waves could drive a boat onto rocks or onto a shoal, and people might perish uh, by drowning. To minimize the risk, they would always lower an anchor so that the boat would remain secure and not crash into the rocks or onto the sandbar. Hope is the anchor of the soul. When our life sometimes seems to bottom out, when we're crashing around, uncertain as to what's happening, God says, I will be the anchor. You're going to be safe and you're going to be secure. And he will bring us into the harbor where things are calm. God is the anchor of hope in the midst of the storms of life. A couple of weeks ago, Joel and I were in the prisons in Malawi. And as you heard from last week, these prisons are not the Hotel Hilton. There's all kinds of difficulties these prisoners face, from malnutrition to disease to overcrowding to absolute boredom. And one of the things that spoke to me very specifically was said by one of the senior prison officials when he said, when your volunteers come into the prison and share the good news of the gospel, you are bringing hope to people who feel hopeless. And the witness of many of these prisoners is that they have found hope in the midst of their circumstances because they have discovered that God is for them and will be with them in the circumstances of life that they actually face. Jesus says that he will be the anchor of our life in the storms of life. So there are some practical implications that I want us to think about. As you go through the hard places in life, you might even want to move to a place of despair. But remember this, the promises of God as found in Scripture are sure and true because God cannot lie. God can test us. He can cause us to wait. And sometimes we think, can't you hurry it up? 
And sometimes God can say no to our requests, but his promises are sure, and he has a purpose behind everything that he is ultimately working out in his perfect timing for our good and to bring honor and glory to his name. And the second thing is this, that in the midst of the storm of life, you are not alone. God promises to be with us, and his presence is the incarnation of hope. He is the anchor that will keep you when life is battling around you. I love the words that Paul wrote in Romans 8, where he talks about what can separate us from the love of God? Things present, the storms of life you're in, things that are yet to come. He says, no, no matter what happens, not even life nor death can separate us from the love of God, which is found in Jesus. That is the anchor for our soul. Where are you today? We don't know how things are going to turn out. But we do know this, that I can place my hope and trust in a God who loves me and who cares for me and who knows every circumstance and detail of my life. That hope will not get you through just today, but ultimately it will carry you through all of your tomorrows, even through the doorway of death when you will then step into the glorious presence of Almighty God. There is a prayer that I would like to share with you. And it comes from the book of Lamentations, written by Jeremiah, who had many discouraging days in his life. He had 40 years of ministry, went through all kinds of hardships, and saw very little success for his ministry. But he prayed this prayer, and this has become a prayer that I hope will be your prayer in the week that is before you. These are the words. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. Great is your faithfulness. Let's pray together. God, in the midst of the storms of life, we thank you that you are our hope. And that hope is the anchor that will hold us steadfast when life is crashing around us. And I pray for each one who is listening today that they might have that secure relationship with you that gives them the anchor of life that we all so desperately need. And now, God, may your blessing be upon us. May your favor rest upon us. And may the hope that you give to us be a reality, not only today, but always. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you always. Amen.
our podcast today. We hope that you were encouraged by what you just heard. Just so you know a little bit more about who we are, hashtag for Paris, our church is about creating a culture that shows people that we are for them and for our local community. Jesus invites us to experience a meaningful life with him and others. So we meet every Sunday morning in person at the Paris Presbyterian Church at 10.30 a.m. and throughout the week in various home groups and pubs here in Paris. It is here that we experience authentic relationships and we grow deep in our faith journeys together. If you would like to connect with us further, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And it is here that you can find links to any of our other audio and video podcasts, sermons, and you can track with what's happening with us each month. Please go straight to our website for more information now about our home groups and how you can get involved. Our website is parispresb.ca. Yes, that's right, parispresb, P-R-E-S-B dot C-A. And it's there that you can share our links with your friends, family, and neighbors. Uh, We have friends from around the world who connect in with us online on a regular basis. And so lastly, please feel free to email me and get connected directly. I would love to chat with you. My email is leah at parispres.ca, and I'll get right back to you. So that's all we have for now. Thanks again for joining, and we'll see you again next week. Bye for now, everyone.